Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. And if only the good die young, well, this little podcast is going to go on for eternity. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And a reminder, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. And uh, speaking of this fine show, on this week's episode, in Pipe Parts, we have an Ask the Pipe Maker with uh, Jeff Grasick. And then my guest is uh, YouTube's own Tom Kuhn, who's been doing a YouTube channel with his kids for uh, oh, a while now, so we get to talk to him. Uh, we even talk a little bit about whiskey, because that's uh, you know, one of the things they do on their, on their, pod, or on their YouTube channel. Uh, we'll have mailbag music and uh, rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, just a reminder, iTunes or Apple podcast rating and reviews are much, much appreciated. Uh, if you're listening on uh, Spotify and you can't and you seem to be missing a few shows, well, go over to PipesMagazine.com or go to Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify doesn't like some of the music we play, so some of those shows are missing. And a reminder, if you're new to the show, if you are new, uh, please keep up to date with the current episodes while going back and getting caught up with those back episodes. All right. And yes, it is fall. It's fall here in the Northern Hemisphere and uh, 65 degree weather outside at night and in the mornings. This is absolutely perfect outdoor pipe smoking weather. Uh, so do make sure that you are going and taking your pipe and going to either, uh, you know, cafes or bars or restaurants that allow smoking outside and, uh, you know, enjoy those, enjoy your pipe there. Or, you know, just find a bench somewhere and smoke your pipe in public. Yeah, show the world what a modern-day pipe smoker looks like. Uh, take your pipe for a walk through the neighborhood. You know, get your, get your legs moving and uh, take your pipe for a walk in the neighborhood and let people see what a modern-day pipe smoker looks like. All right, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey.
we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Pipe Parts is the Ask the Pipe Maker with the Pipe Maker, Jeff Grasick of J. Allen Pipes. Jeff, you ready for your question this week? I am ready. Thanks for having me back, Brian. Uh, this comes in from Michael, and I'm going to have to paraphrase because there were some words that I don't want to say in public because Michael's got a sense of humor, and I like that. And that's okay. Okay. Um, but essentially, this is a family show, folks. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, <laughs> what he wanted to know was what are what are what are the worst things that you've seen pipe smokers do to a pipe that you've made, uh, and what happened to them, and why, and how. And I think he was also referencing my story about how I dropped my Sassini four dot into a into the toilet at home while I was using the toilet at home. So, uh, Jeff, do you know of any, any mm. nightmare stories of your pipes or abuse or battered or beaten or odd things that have happened to a fine Jay Allen pipe? Oh, do I ever. Uh -oh. How much time do we have, Brian? How much time? Oh, this is the internet. We got all the data we need. Go all the time in the world yeah. all right i've got a few for you so there may be a couple categories so the the, the <laughs> first and the easiest i would say was i had a customer who had come to me with a pipe that wasn't performing all that well for him and i was i always take those those concerns very seriously and he showed me the pipe that he had purchased from me a year earlier he just said I was he wasn't getting the flavor or something like that out of it. And I was a little perplexing. So I took a look at it and uh I I looked down the I pulled the mouthpiece out and looked down the shank and I saw a hole that was visibly much larger than <laughs> any drill bit that I would ever drill the airway in. I said, What happened here? He said, Well, I always uh open up the pipes. Now, just for those who are uh, who are going to jump there because they they know that I'm good friends with our, our, our buddy Rick Newcomb, who does open his pipes up. Uh, this was not Rick. <laughs> Rick did not do this. Um, that uh, someone. Uh, so he he showed me this pipe and I said, oh, my goodness, like it was it was bigger than three sixteenths. It was it was a very, very large hole. And I said, uh, I was like, well, did you drill this out? And he said, well, yes, I, I, I do that to all my pipes. I was like, oh, OK, so. Let's take a look at the rest of it. And I looked at the mouthpiece and it was mangled. He had uh, it was a bent mouthpiece, but he did not know or didn't unbend it and decided to open up the airway in the mouthpiece without bending it. And oh. so now it was hanging up pipe cleaners and all this stuff on the inside. And of course, he came to me and said, your pipe doesn't smoke as uh, <laughs> it doesn't perform well. I can't pass a cleaner. I said, well, to be fair, uh, it's kind of not really my pipe anymore you you uh you managed to turn it into something else but you know i i did help him out i did uh i did make it right for him although i didn't make it wrong in the first place um but yeah that was a that was a little of a surprising one to uh to to receive some blame and an expectation of uh um accountability for actions i did not take uh, so let me ask you this now how do you if mm -hmm. if if uh, somebody drills out one of your pipes and drills it out bigger than the Holland Tunnel, uh, mm -hmm. how do you fix that? I'm 
what do you do you yeah there's there's no in this in this circumstance i worked out something with the person that that made sense um for them and it was it in this particular situation i i replaced the pipe and was able to place that pipe with someone else who who appreciated it as it was <laughs> um but uh, that was a very, very that was a, a rare and kind of outlier situation. That's not a normal uh, situation that I run into. And going forward, just for all of your listeners out there, if you drill out one of my pipes, I'm not going to replace it for you. Or if you buy a pipe that has been drilled out, I didn't do it. So do not do uh, this at I home. I can't fix that. Yeah. No, you can't line it with briar straws or anything like that. Um, so uh, yeah, those are things to be avoided. Just uh, you know. Unless that's how you like the pipe. Just enjoy it that way and don't ask me to fix it afterwards. Use a little brass screen in the bottom of the bowl to stop all that tobacco coming up the six millimeter draft hole. Hey, hey everybody likes, everybody has different tastes and I celebrate that, but uh, I, I can't, uh, yeah. I can't accommodate everybody. Unfortunately, I would, I would very much like to, but so that would be one category, people <laughs> modifying pipes and then having an expectation that uh, uh, they perform differently than they do afterwards. <laughs> uh, the other is things that happen to pipes that are unexpected. And I had a good client who was planting, uh, planting some fruit trees on his property in Massachusetts. And this person was digging holes and planting the trees and backfilling them. And at some point he had his favorite pipe for me, which was a beautiful, smooth uh, pipe. He was smoking it while he was working and he finished up the row of trees and realized he didn't have his pipe. And <laughs> he had been setting the pipe down next to the hole as he was working and, you know, in between, in between activities and so he went and undug the whole line of trees until he found the pipe that he had buried. <laughs> he, what, hold, hold on, hold on. He buried it like a dog with a bone, and was he expect? He like, buried it like a dog with a bone. Mm -hmm. Was was he expecting to try to create like some hybrid fruit that was a the yeah the yeah Allen, this is a briar apple tree or the Jay Allen pipe fruit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, may, I, maybe I should include some instructions with my pipes, or at least a disclaimer that, uh, or a, a warning that if you if you do bury this briar, although it is in fact root, it is dead, uh, dead root briar. There's a plug for that. Uh, there, um, that if you bury it, it will not sprout into a new, a new uh, briar tree for you. Sorry. It's, uh, I'm just assuming at that point that that pipe might have needed a a, a good thorough cleaning and. Uh, you know, buffing um, the really, really sad thing about this. And again, I will will restate that this was this person's very favorite pipe that they owned for me. Uh, he did find the pipe. He was very excited about it and managed to lose it uh, a month later. <laughs> oh, no. So I did, in fact, make a replacement as close as possible to it after he relayed that story to me. Uh, did he did he drop it in like the in the chicken coop and tried to have I, I I didn't I didn't hear a story about where it ended up uh but the replacement was uh was treasured and I I had to gain agreement from him that he would do no chopping of wood or or <laughs> uh digging of tree holes while smoking this pipe 
Did did you get like a little leash and attach it to the stem so that he could put the leash around his <laughs> yeah, neck? Like and... a like a like gaiters for your sunglasses, but for a yeah. pipe, a pipe gaiter. Yeah, I think we have a new that's, idea. That's not. I mean, I was going to say it's not a bad idea. I think it might be a bad idea, but uh, you know, I want to encourage the free flow, free flowing of ideas here, so we can try it out. Put a little lanyard on it. Uh, there are. There's no... an idea for. There's an idea for like door prizes in at the Vegas show this year, Brian. Little uh, pipe gaiters for everybody. And wear your pipe dangling from your neck. Yeah, well, I was going to say there are no bad ideas. There's only bad money thrown after stupid ideas, <laughs> and that may be one of them. Yeah, but, there, yeah. there are plenty of bad ideas. Uh, sorry to sorry to break it to you. Yeah. <laughs> that that very well may be one of them. So right. for the last, the last oh, you got story another I've got okay. for you, yeah. I have one more for you. And, uh, you know... You might have taken a little wind out of this with your Sassini story. So I have a very good customer who uh, was a good friend of mine, and uh, you you um, knew this person well. He called me and told me that he, in fact, had a very similar experience to you. He was using the toilet in his home and managed to drop the pipe in the toilet right as he flushed it. Oh, And the pipe went bye-bye. Yes. So maybe a step beyond beyond where what you experienced. And uh yeah, the pipe was gone. Which he was sad about because it was uh it was a perfect little toilet pipe, I guess. <laughs> and so he uh my 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 first thought is that's a very strong toilet. Uh, you know, uh-huh, with, with very uh-huh. wide pipes and then my second thought is yeah, put a pipe through the pipes. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, no, the pipe, the pipe went down the pipes. And he told me that afterwards for several months that their toilet just wasn't flushing like it had before, uh, that the flow was not as expected. <laughs> and it was it was older. It was an older toilet. And he was like, yeah. well, we needed to redo our bathroom anyway. So they had their plumber come and install a new toilet. And he relayed this story to the plumber. And the plumber said, well, let's, I mean, that might be the problem. And so the plumber took the toilet and to their parking lot and lifted it up and dropped it. And sure enough, inside of the toilet was the pipe. The pipe was the clog. Mm. So the plumber asked said customer, would you like the pipe pipe back? back. And he said, absolutely not. (laughs) So the plumber said, well, can I keep it? And the customer said, "You're more than welcome to it," and that's that's the last of that story. I'm not sure what is what is done with it now. Hopefully, it is in a jar full of bleach. Um, but yeah, that's that's the worst of the stories that I'm aware of. There's a part of me that can't resist from saying that that's a really shitty pipe. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks, Jeff. I don't know. It was at the time. Yes. Thanks, Jeff. Hopefully, I'll remind, I'll, I'll warn people at the beginning of this to uh, pull over and not drive while doing this. And um, thanks for coming on here. Yeah, sure. Maybe no eating of dinner while listening to this segment. Yeah, we'll be back in just a minute as soon as I stop laughing. <laughs> thanks, Brian. This is Internet Radio. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. 
My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning to managing our store to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us from YouTube is somebody that I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting you a couple of times in person, but now I get to really dig into you. Uh, the YouTube channel is Pipes, Tobaccos, and Whiskeys, and it's Tom Kuhn. Tom, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. I'm very p- pleased to be here. So I'm glad you named your... Uh, your channel pipes tobacco and whiskey because that means we know exactly what you talk about right yeah it's pretty direct uh there's no questions (laughs) yeah (laughs) i like it um all right so let's get to know you where did you grow up what did you want to be when you grew up did you grow up (laughs) interesting well uh i am a product of a of a military uh upbringing Uh, my father was in the army so uh we traveled quite a bit. We were everywhere. Uh, so I really never had one uh, place to call home. Mm-hmm. But if I had to say that there was one place I grew up the most, that would be in Lawton, Oklahoma. Um, that's, uh, like I told you earlier, it's not Hades, but you can see it from there. <laughs> so, so for those of you that aren't familiar with the map of the United States... That's halfway to nowhere and on the way to something else. That is correct. You have to be going to Lawton, Oklahoma to get there. Yeah. And when you get there, you better not blink. <laughs> yeah. And that was, uh, I, I spent my high school years and my uh, university years there, went to school there. Um, so uh, all through school when I was growing up, my father used to be an Army musician. Mm. and that was always pretty prominent in my life. And so uh, when I could, at the right age, I joined band and was a trumpet player, just like my dad, and um, grew up learning how to play the trumpet. And really, that was the center of my, uh, of my life uh, during those formative years. And... Uh, Kind of fast forward, uh, I decided that I wanted to be some sort of a musician when I grew up. And uh, I couldn't, I really never could decide if I wanted to be a music educator or if I wanted to be a professional musician. So when I went to college, uh, I majored in both. Oh, cool. And yeah. And so I am both a performer and an educator. Um, Roundabout in the middle of my uh, college uh, development, I was offered an opportunity to play with a prominent jazz trumpet musician and tour with them for three months. And although that experience was absolutely incredible, 
uh, I learned on the road that the life of a professional musician was not what I wanted. So at that point, I focused more on music education. So I am currently a retired high school band director. God bless you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in Texas, that's the uh, band is like football. It's yeah. uh, it's a big deal. Um, being a retired band dad myself, every time we saw that there was a marching band from, oh, you know, Texas or Florida, we were like, well, that's the end of us winning this competition. <laughs> yeah, the bands here are incredible. Uh, you know, of course, you still have the other band programs like inner city bands and things like that, that struggle because of funding and staffing and things like that. Um, there are a lot of great bands in this state. Yeah. Yeah. And most of them come from towns where half the town population is in the marching band. That is correct. We, I live in one right now that, uh, we had a high school enrollment of about a thousand and um, 20% of the school was in band. I had about 200 kids in band. And that's a small program. <laughs> yeah, for, for a 5A program, that is, that is considered to be an average, average-sized band. Yeah. All right, so let, let, let's get back to trumpet for a minute. Um, is it fair to say that in the, uh, you know, in the marching band or jazz band grouping, the, the trumpet players, I mean, those are the guys that are the... The egos; those are the guys that are the are the ladies' men. Those are the wilder people. Well, uh, I would say nine times out of ten, yeah, you're probably hitting the mark. Yeah, um, <laughs> it takes a it takes a special person to be a trumpet player and to be good at what they do. Yeah, you know, there's the old old uh, joke about how many trumpet players does it take to change a light bulb. One, he just holds on to the light bulb and the world revolves around him. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the attitude and mentality of, of a trumpet player, particularly what we call a lead trumpet player, which yeah. is the one that hits all the high notes and things like that. Yeah. All right. So who are your trumpet, uh, who are your, your trumpet playing influences? Uh, you know, it, I am primarily a jazz trumpet player, although I can play uh, all sorts of uh, genres of music. Um, I would have to say that Wynton Marsalis was a big influence on me simply because he's so uh, versatile at both styles, classical music and uh, jazz trumpet playing. Uh, Miles Davis, absolutely incredible musician, uh, a man ahead of his time. Uh, but I was that lead trumpet player that liked to do all the high notes and kind of stand out in the crowd. <laughs> so Maynard Ferguson was my biggest influence. There you go. As a matter of fact, that's who I toured with when I was in college. Oh, all right. Well, this interview's over. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're done. Uh, uh, no, we'll keep going on. We're done with music. When did the pipe come into your life? Uh, the You know, my family never really... Uh, I had no one in my family that was a smoker, quote unquote. My dad was a cigarette smoker when I was very, very young. And uh, when he went to Vietnam, he had a uh, an event happen during Vietnam that just made him absolutely quit. 
smoking. Wow. Uh, so there was really no one in my life. So when I went to college, I had a college professor, a, uh, uh, a tuba player, that um, back then you could smoke in your studios. Yeah. And we used to, as freshmen, we used to go into his studio and just sit and smell the studio because it was just inundated with pipe tobacco smoke. And so um, the four of us got together and said, you know what, uh, we, we think we want to try this. At the time, it was, it, it was legal to smoke when you were 18. And um, so we went out and we... Uh, we purchased our first pipes and we went to his studio and he taught us all the basics. He taught us how to uh, pack a pipe, how to tamp a pipe, how to light a pipe, how to smoke it slowly, draw, um, just everything about it. So I was really fortunate uh, to have a mentor like that because uh, back then we didn't have uh, YouTube and yeah. Instagram and all these uh different venues that you could learn from by just watching a video. Um, so uh, that was how I got started. Uh, of the four of us, I was the only one that really stuck with it. Um, his name was Stan Radcliffe. Um, and about a year after he taught us how to smoke, he had passed away. Uh. And so that was kind of a big event in our lives because he was our first college professor that we really latched on to that yeah. influenced us. And from that point on, I never looked back. It was just a, a, a part of me, just something I did all the time. So it's about 40 plus years that I've been smoking. So you, you've seen some changes in the pipe smoking world. I have. And you know, when I first started, I never started on what most beginners would start like an, on an aromatic or something like that. Stan didn't believe in that. So he started me with a blend called Nottingham, which was a full blown, full flavored English. <laughs> yeah. And he just, uh, you know, that was it. And of course I experimented on the way, uh, as, as I uh, left school and had my own family, uh, tried lots of different other blends. But uh, round about when I was about 35 years old is when I really locked into what I know I like right now. But I've seen a lot of changes in, um, in the public's eye yeah. about pipe, pipe smoking and things like that. And I know you've talked about that a lot, the kind of uh, limitations that... Uh, state governments, uh, local governments, uh, federal government have put on pipe smokers has been a challenge. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Tom. We'll get into the whiskey part, too, because I know nothing about that. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. 
It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, YouTube's own Tom Kuhn of Pipes, Tobacco, and Whiskey. And uh, Tom, you know, when my uh, when my daughter was in marching band, I told her, you're fine as long as you stay away from the trumpet section. Yeah. You know, I don't understand why we have that uh, <laughs> stigma put on us, you know. Uh, we're pretty good people. But once you get to know us, we're the always the hit of the parties. Uh, we're, you know, we're the the, the very charismatic ones. We uh, have a great sense of humor. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it either. Except you got a bad reputation, which is, you know, rightfully earned. Uh, probably so. Probably so. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning of your pipe smoking because that would have been small town America was. Did you have tobacco shops to go to, or did you go to the corner drugstore or the five and dime, or, or are we going back too far in time? No, uh, this was about uh, 1983 is when I started. Um, and actually, in our local mall, we had a pipe store. It wasn't a tinderbox or a chain or anything like that. It was kind of a mom-and-pop run uh, pipe store. And so I bought my first pipe there, and fortunately, Stan was smart enough to tell me, he said, listen, don't, don't buy a basket, don't buy, go get you one that, that you like, that you think you'll like to smoke. And so my first pipe was a Kamoi, um, and I still, <laughs> I still have that pipe right now. It's kind of a Kamoi uh, full bent uh, with a big bowl on it. Um, and nice, uh, smooth grain, bird's eye all over the place. Of course, back then, I didn't know, you know, that was something that everybody looked for. But I think I spent maybe 60 bucks for my first pipe. Wow. Um, yeah, that was, that was, I mean, it was a lot for me as a student. But back then, uh, considering what prices are now, that was pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah. So it, it so your pipe collection did it just start to grow naturally and you know, did, did you get the urge to buy more pipes and stuff and just keep growing it? I did not have uh, those those disorders <laughs> at that time <laughs> that everyone talks about. I probably when I first started, I think I may have had one briar, one meerschaum, um, and for a good. 15 years maybe had that was it you know two or three pipes that was it uh all of this started when i moved to uh texas here uh where i am now terrell texas and uh, that's when the disease hit when i actually when i started making a little more money uh -oh. is when yeah when the disease hit and so from there uh it just rapidly grew i bet i've got 
oh, probably 150 to 200 pipes right now. If you don't know how many you have, you probably have a problem like me. It's very fortunate that my wife does not listen to this podcast. You're right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I know my wife doesn't listen to it because it's got me on it. Uh, <laughs> she listens enough, right? Yeah. So let, let's talk about the, the, the beginning of the channel because, you, I mean, you've been at it for a while. You're consistent. You've got over 200 videos. What was the, what was the idea behind starting a channel? Well, I retired from band directing in 2018. And uh, I thought retirement was going to be this, uh, just this perfect scenario where I stay at home and do a little bit of yard work here and there and do some honeydews around the house and <laughs> just, you know, life would be perfect. And I quickly realized that uh, I get bored very easily yeah. and um, that I, there's only so many things you can do before you start twiddling your thumbs. And I am not the type of person that really does well in that atmosphere. So um, I was, uh, I think I was listening to your show and the country squire. And I thought to myself, self, you probably could do something like this in the, in that course of that decision my boys were just learning how to smoke a pipe too. They, they all come from uh, a tobacco background of tobaccos that I didn't particularly care for. <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted to get them out of that uh, style of smoking or, or tobacco as quickly as I could. Cause I knew that there was some bad things. My oldest son was a, a cigarette smoker. My middle son was a smokeless tobacco person, and my youngest son was a vapor um, guy. Wow. And so I thought, well, I could start this this uh, channel and get them to kind of share the journey with me. Uh, the The real motivation behind it was that I get to spend time with my boys, smoking yeah. pipes, teaching them the tricks of the trade, so to speak, uh, how to taste different tobaccos and kind of find uh, a road that they want to follow with the pipe. Uh, that's how it started. And then it grew into this weekly monster, you you understand, yeah. um, of responsibilities. And it's not that I have a huge following, but I feel responsible to those people who do follow me to make sure I put out content that is meaningful and helpful to the, uh, to the community. And on a regular so, basis. Yeah. Every week, every week we put something out. So like I said, we started in 2019 and if I was to go back and look at my first episode and compare it to what we do now, it has morphed uh, quite a bit yeah. from, from that time. I, I want to go back to your go back to your kids. Uh, how did did they look at you and go, uh, Dad, you're crazy? Why, uh, you know, you want me to smoke a my pipe youngest, and sit here? <laughs> yeah, my youngest especially because at the time I think he was maybe 22 years old, and um, it was like, Dad, you know, smoking a pipe is for old guys. Yeah, 
And, and so I had to uh, kind of slowly um, convince him by watching different uh, videos with younger people on it. Um, also, Instagram helped me quite a bit with, you know, those because in, on Instagram, you can find all sorts of pipe smokers. And I think that's yeah. awesome. I think it's really uh, interesting to kind of look at all these pictures of folks that smoke pipes and kind of see who they are and their backgrounds. But eventually he came on board. And when he first tried it, I told him, I said, you're going to get flavors from pipe smoking similar to what you would in vaping, except it's a whole hot better for you. Uh, you know, vaping will... Uh, honeycomb your lung i don't know if you know if people know that or not so if you if folks if you vape out there get off of that because you're destroying your lungs yeah there's um, uh there's studies out there that show that the that the particulates of the vape are about a thousand times smaller than the particulates of any inhaled traditional tobacco product and therefore they go deeper into the lung tissue and into the fresh tissue and so on yeah. and so on but yeah so uh, that's how I got my youngest. My oldest was already smoking a pipe. Uh, you know, Brian, I'm such a great guy that my boys want to emulate me so much. Uh, <laughs> and, and so they, they kind of, you know, latched on and said, yeah, we can give this a try. And with the coaching that I gave them and the uh, variety of, of tobaccos that they experienced, they bought into it and it's they haven't looked back it's been a it's been tobacco pipes tobaccos for since then so it's been it's been really fun uh it, again the the time the the time that i can uh, be with them during these video shoots smoking different tobaccos and sharing our thoughts has been really a, a blessing for me yeah and do you tell them, look, if you don't show up, I'm going to have your mother call you? <laughs> well, when we first started, they were all pretty close to where we live. But right. they've kind of become adults Ugh. and moved off and found their significant others. And um, <laughs> so they it's been more of a challenge. My oldest son lives in the same town I do. So that's why you see him more than any of the other boys on my videos. Uh, my my middle son lives about an hour away or an hour and a half away. So a lot of times we'll shoot videos when we're at our deer lease. Um, and that's when we're able to connect. My youngest son, he's still he's still wild and fancy free. So he's he's still doing his thing. But I think eventually he will uh, settle down and start showing up more on my video. Is your younger son a trumpet player? No, he was an alto sax player. They oh, were all wow. band people, though. Yeah. All of my kids were band people. <laughs> so, all right, so let's talk about the whiskey, because that, I mean, that's an area I know nothing about, and I know you guys have had a whole bunch of different whiskeys on and all different kinds of things, and you, you cover all ranges of whiskeys, but, have you know, did whiskey automatically come into your life at the at the same rate that pipe smoking did? No, it didn't. It came much after. Uh, we couldn't afford, we couldn't afford the kind of whiskeys that I drink right now. And so, when I was uh, partaking of whiskey, 
back in the younger days, it was all rot gut. Yeah. You know, it was, it was the cheap stuff. Um, I would say that whiskeys have been an infatuation for me probably about the last 15 years. And just do it. You know, I'm the kind of guy that when I get into something, I jump in with both feet. And, uh, so I, I, just engulf myself in the whiskey world and just did a lot of reading, a lot of tasting. I would drive to, uh, local, well, not even local, uh, liquor stores in, in, um, Dallas and Fort Worth area when they would have different tastings, of new products coming out and things like that. Uh, just so that I could develop the palate for that, you know? Uh, so that's kind of how the whiskey became a part of it. And I mean, come on, tobacco has to have a companion. Whiskey's the perfect companion, I think. <laughs> well, for you at least, and you are the, you, you can be the leading expert on your own opinion this week. <laughs> um, are there types of, in general, are there styles of tobaccos that go better with different styles of whiskeys and i'm you know i'm thinking like you know the single malts versus the irish versus the american and then the bourbons you know i think that's i think a lot of that is is personal taste to whoever's consuming it i have a tendency to pair whiskeys with tobaccos that are similar in character so if i'm smoking uh let's say a lot of Kia, I'm going to really kind of gravitate towards maybe a Petey Scotch uh, or uh, there are some whiskeys that I've come across that are toasted with mesquite wood or something like that that kind of give it a smoky character. Uh, so I tend to do that. If I'm smoking a, a vapor, I might look for a, a rye that has kind of a peppery kind of finish on it that matches that uh, Perique style. Uh, if I'm smoking a straight Virginia, I might look for a, a sweeter uh, bourbon that might might uh, pair well with it. So, it, you know, some people want the opposite effect mm -hmm. to kind of balance out their smoking. I tend to go towards those things that are similar in character. You you are a musician and you want all the you want all the parts of the all the parts of the band playing to the same style. That's it. That's correct. I, I I think for me it enhances my smoking experience uh -huh. uh, more that way. I'm not trying to fight uh, flavors on my palate to decide what's coming from what. Uh, this way, they all tend to kind of work together. All right, so a couple of whiskey-related questions here. What is the uh, what is the White Whale Holy Grail whiskey that you've never tried that you want to try that you're hoping someday to try? <laughs> well, you know, everybody um, everybody always talks about Pappy Van Winkle. Yeah, and I've I've tried Pappy. Um, I've tried fifteen year and I've tried a twenty one year Pappy. And you know what? Eh, it's okay, you know. But I, I think sometimes folks 
get into a, a fix about popularity rather than quality. Uh, and I think that's, yeah, th- that's a pitfall that they that they need to avoid. Uh, just because it's really super hard to get doesn't mean it's great. Uh, you can find some really quality stuff at the twenty, thirty, forty dollar uh, price rather than you know hundreds or thousands of dollars. So, in the bourbon world, I think I have found my whiskey that I like. Uh, I I drink uh, an Elijah Craig uh, small batch barrel proof that is just absolutely incredible. It's sweet. It's uh, it's it's smooth. It it, it really has a quite a a, a um, profile palate profile that's interesting. It's a little hard to get, but not as hard as. Blanton's or Pappy Van Winkle or anything like that. Yeah. So, as far as the bourbon world, that's my that's my unicorn. All right. Uh, uh, in Scotch, I would like to one of my favorite brands of Scotch is Highland Park. Uh, it's m- produced on the Isle of Orkney, which is the northern most. Um, most northern distillery in Scotland. And uh, so the, the, the flavor profiles there are quite different than you would get from an Isla Scotch or from a Highland Scotch. Uh, it's a little more, I guess, salty would be a good word for it because of the uh, uh, where, where they are located. Um, but I would really like to try one of those high-dollar Highland, Highland Parks um, that they always keep in the glass cases. There's a 30-year-old that I've been looking at for a long, long time, but I've not been able to pull the trigger. Oh. And then I, <laughs> and I guess my final question for you on the whiskeys is when you got a bottle that you really like and you know that it's not going to be easy to get again and then you drink that last dram of it, is it really, is it really hard for you to do because you know it's gone? Yeah, yeah, I have to say it is. Um, you know, anybody can find anything if they're willing to pay the price. Yeah. Um, but I am, I'm cheap, and I, I don't think I'm willing to pay some of the prices for some of these uh, hard-to-get uh, spirits. And so, you know, I tend to really have a lot of readily available, good tasting, middle of the line, uh, whiskeys that I enjoy and Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. So if I have, you know, if if someone gives me a, a, a bottle of Booker's or Noah's, uh, what, what is that one? Uh, Noah's mill, which are, are probably 80, 90, hundred dollar bottles. Yeah, it's difficult to see them go, but I enjoy them while I have them, and I can reflect on them later on, you know? So it's not necessarily heartbreaking because I've got so much, uh, so many other things that I can choose from. Uh, I feel the same way with some pipe tobaccos, but that's why I don't, <laughs> that's why I try not to go after the really rare and expensive because then when it's gone, I want to cry. <laughs> um, 
But. You're right. And there's some great tobaccos right now out there that people can enjoy. Yeah. All right, Tom, we will wrap this up with a slightly modified fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? As far as um, significance, uh, emotional attachment, I would have to say I have kind of a freehand Dublin uh, Savinelli autograph uh, number eight that I purchased from the factory in in uh, Italy. Uh, that that just it smokes wonderful the grain work on it is absolutely gorgeous a big bowl good for my lot of kias and um i there's a there's an attachment there because of the time that i went to italy when i got it so i would have to say that and what is your favorite tobacco my favorite you know i'm I'm real lucky, Brian, that I am not one of those guys that are locked into one style of tobacco. I smoke a lot of Kias, Virginias, Vapors, Burleys. So I'm going to say right now my favorite lot of Kia blend, I, I, I prefer Balkans. I'm going to have to say Plum Pudding Special Reserve. My favorite Vapor is probably Verge Engine Overdrive by Ken Byron. And my favorite straight, Virginia, which I smoke reds 99% of the time, is probably Sutliff Crumble Cake Red Virginia. All right, and here's the modification for you. Are you ready? Yeah. You're coming to the upcoming Las Vegas International Pipe Show. In fact, you're on the social media schedule. Uh, what whiskey are you bringing with you? I will probably bring a bottle of Michter's um, straight bourbon. Single barrel straight bourbon. That's one of my favorites. And then uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? You know, I spent so much of my life just enveloped in music that now... I tend to not listen to music as much. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so I would say just to kind of relax, come in, sit down, have a smoke, have a drink. I've got my own little smoking room inside the house. So uh, with my television and everything, I would say probably watching a movie. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? You know, all the times that, that I remember smoking the pipe in my, uh, my professor's studio was just really, really great times. Um, but I would have to say my favorite, uh, we had a, uh, we had a Carver, Trey Rice, you know, you know, Trey, he does really great, great work. Uh, I commissioned a four pipe set from Trey all carved from the same block of briar that um, I had made for me and my sons to all smoke together. So the first time that we sat down, all four of us, and smoked those pipes here at my house on Christmas was probably my most memorable time. 
in the pipe as far as pipe smoking goes. The YouTube channel is Pipes, Tobacco, and Whiskey. Tom, thank you very much for coming on and doing this, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in Vegas. Uh, thank you very much, Brian. I really enjoyed it. And we'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yeah, do go and uh, make sure and subscribe to Tom's YouTube channel and uh, check him out on Instagram as well. All right, for music. So Dino said, since we're uh, getting in the mood for Vegas, uh, Dino, the official music director of the uh, of the Pipes Magazine radio show, said... Uh, no one is more Vegas than uh, Frank Sinatra. And he said, uh, in case you need him, here's some tunes that scream Vegas. Uh, first is the opening of pipe smoker Frank Sinatra's 1966 gig at the Sands with Count Basie. So what you're about to hear is Come Fly With Me live at the Sands Hotel and Casino in 1966. If you're coming to Vegas and you want to know where the Sands Hotel Casino was, it's where the Venetian is now. So... Here we go, old blue eyes. The Sands is proud to present a wonderful new show, A Man and His Music. The music of Count Basie and his great band... Frank Sinatra. How did all these people get in my room? Come fly with me, we'll fly, we'll fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come on, fly with me, we'll fly, we'll fly away Come fly with me, we'll float down to Peru In Lama Land, there's a one-man band And he'll toot his flute for you Come on, fly with me, we'll float down in the blue Once I get you up there, where the air is rarefied We'll just glide, starry-eyed Once I get you up there, I'll be holding you so near You might hear all 
the angels cheer because we're together. Weather-wise, it's such a lovely day. Just say those words, we'll beat those birds down to Acapulco Bay. It is perfect for a flying honeymoon, they say. Come on, fly with me, we'll fly, we'll fly, we'll fly. And Absolutely petrified once I get you up there I'll be holding you so awfully near You might even hear a gang of angels cheer Just because we're together Weather-wise, it's such a groovy day You just say that word and I'll beat your bird Down to Acapulco Bay is perfect for a flying honeymoon and they do say come on fly with me we'll fly we'll fly Absolutely a perfect choice of song, or a perfect suggestion of song, and thanks to Dino for that, considering we had Tom on, and there, you, know, you could hear those trumpeters, you know, those trumpet players were, you know, they were blowing hard and then looking out into the audience for their next date, um, and we're getting ready to go to Vegas, so, and Sinatra, what else can you say? Yes! You have new mail. And remember, mailbag comments or questions can be emailed directly to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at PipesMagazine.com. Uh, Las Vegas International Pipe Show, which, uh, as we're doing this, I am one week away from leaving for Vegas. Uh, those can be, uh, you can find out all that information at VegasPipeShow.com. All right, and uh, mailbag as usual, Dino and uh, Casey Ghost. So we got Dino going back to last week with Jesse Culp on. Uh, Dino says, your 101 on the tamper, its necessity and operation was brief but very nicely done. Like many of your younger guests, Jesse's story probably elicited a nod of recognition by older smokers like me. Describing the development of his pipe-making technique was quite interesting. Uh, Kevin's musical choice, Brother Louie, was a blast from the past that resonates as strongly today as it did in 1973. Ain't no difference if you're filling whatever social or cultural diversity. Brothers, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and then he said, pretty good definition of a friend. Here's what Groucho once said. When you're in jail, a good friend will, try, will be trying to bail you out. A best friend will be in the cell next to you saying, damn, that was fun. <laughs> uh, thanks for another always entertaining show. Yeah, that was fun, Dino. Thanks, Dino. And Casey Ghost says uh, the pipe parts on tampers was useful. I have a number of expensive tampers around, but they're all locked up. The only thing I use is the pipe nail. The only use I've found for the check tool is the poker. It is very good at letting uh, letting the excess air out. My lighters, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, you can burp your lighter with it. Uh, but if I can't find it, I can always use the pick in my Corona lighter. Yep. Uh, your guest was interesting, particularly in his story about living up and down the East Coast as a child. I had the same deal in the 50s. My old man was in the Navy, and those guys didn't think twice about relocating you. But my favorite place of all was when we lived in Key West. My God, it was paradise. As for moving, I attended 19 schools in 12 years. His backstory on how he got into smoking was nice. Obviously, he was heavily influenced by his family and then by Tolkien. I swear that man has gotten more people into pipe smoking than anyone else. It is amazing the number of people have said I was watching uh, Tolkien one night. <laughs> uh, hopefully, he's getting some decent tutoring and pipe carving. Not good to continue with tools that, uh, that maim a guy. Yeah. Uh, Kevin's music brother Louie was enjoyable for a while, but then they branched into one of those interminable four or five minute breaks that rockers feel they must do. There are friends and then there are acquaintances. In the last 40 years, I've had two best friends. It was great times when you have them, but then one of them moved away and had a stroke and the other one, well, let's just say he isn't a best friend anymore. Uh, no pipe smokers are acquaintances and that is that. Thank you to Casey Ghost. Much appreciated. Uh, and then uh, uh, Darkon Proctor writes, uh, Tamper, great show. After many different tampers, I ended up back to the classic check tool. It just does the job, and I don't have to unscrew anything. Plus, I use the poke stick for cigars when I want to smoke, uh, smoke them down to the nub without burning my fingers. Love the show, brother. Keep the train rolling. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep that train rolling. That's for sure. Uh, and then uh, lastly, uh, as I'm saving some uh, questions for future episodes, uh, Nathaniel writes, Hey, Brian, greetings from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Thanks for keeping the show alive. I always look forward to hearing what's new and interesting in the pipe and tobacco world. I was curious if you've ever interviewed a tobacco farmer. I've heard blenders on the podcast, but after getting into home growing, I'm interested to hear a farmer's perspective on tobacco. Keep up the good work. Graciously, Nate Hope. Uh, Nate, yeah, thank you. And um, uh, we've had one grower on. His name is Brandon Gravois. It's going to go back, oh, I don't know, six or seven years. He's a uh, Louisiana born and raised uh, Perique farmer problem with getting to the tobacco growers is once you get past the blending side and you get to the uh the tobacco auctions and the and the uh, tobacco buyers those guys are really tight-lipped and they just don't talk uh, you just can't get them to talk that's the way they are and getting a grower to explain how he grows his stuff well that's like going into the kitchen and asking uh i don't know chef boy rd all his secrets Ain't going to happen. All right. Comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, keep sharing the Pipes Magazine show, uh, radio show, wherever you are. And in just a moment, rant time. A Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe is the perfect pal. Going fishing. Take your corncob pipe and see you back at dark 30. Hunting. Your corncob pipe squares. It won't make a pop. Relaxing and reflecting? You add your corncob pipe at Relax. 
Party time. Your corncob pipe doesn't produce a cool smoke for no reason. Let's just say your Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe gets you. Visit www.corncobpipe.com to get yours today. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original, authentically you. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco. Why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collectors Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com? That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit tidbits.com, the Pipe Collectors Auction site. Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Uh, this is what you young people are calling a hot take. Yeah, it's a hot take. And here it is. Um, home ownership may not be for everybody. Yeah, it may be easier for you to just rent. All right. That is a hot take. And here's why. Uh, as we're starting, we're, we're getting a couple of things done around the house. And uh, when you do those projects around the house, well, now you got to pick a contractor and you got to meet with people and then you got to make sure that they're doing what they say they're going to do. And once you finally agree on, you know, you, you, you've got this whole process. So anytime something goes wrong, well, you're the one responsible for it and you've got to fix it. So when I, when I talk to young people that are thinking about buying a house, I look at them right up front and tell them if you don't have 10% of the value of the house in cash in backup ready for repairs, don't buy the house because a repair can come along at any time. You need to replace a roof. You need to fix this. You need to fix that. That can come along at any time and you got to be ready for that. So that's part of home ownership. And then you got to meet with the contractors and hope they do what they're going to say. And then you got to go out there and monitor them. And then you got to clean up after them and all that stuff. All right. So it might be easier just for you to rent. Because home ownership, in my in my mind, may not be for everybody. If you rent and there's something wrong, you just call the landlord. You get a bad landlord, well, you just move. Easy. Done. You get a bad neighbor, you just move. Easy. Done. Uh, now, if you're going to, uh, but as a pipe smoker, it does make it easier when you own your own house and then you can smoke in your own smoking room inside the house. Or you can smoke outside on your balcony because some apartments now are going to where you can't smoke on the balconies anymore and... You know, you get cities like New York City where you can't smoke on the property of a, you know, and so on and so on. So anyway, I just advise you that home ownership may not be for everyone. Uh, that's my thoughts, especially as we're trying to get a deck redone and that's a process and I'm just a little grumbly about it. All that while one week away from the Las Vegas International Pipe Show and getting all the fine details planned and everything. So hope to see a lot of you there. If uh, if I don't say hi to you, do come up and say hello to me and introduce yourself because uh, lots of faces and I don't remember a lot of names and I'm bad with that and I'm sorry. So uh, thank you very much to Jeff for joining me. Thanks a lot to Tom. Thank you all for tuning in and until next time. Happy trails to you.
bombadira 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 bang who cares about the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny First, I get my name on the phone book, and now I'm on your ass. You know, I'll bet more people see that than the phone book. <laughs>